Chapter One of The Night Club by Herbert Jenkins. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lee Smalley. Chapter One Forming the Night Club. The idea originated with Bindle, who is never so happy as when listening to or telling a story. Sooner or later he will so guide conversation as to challenge from someone a reminiscence, or, failing that, he will himself assume the burden of responsibility, and tell of how he engineered one of his little jokes, as he calls them. "'Oi likes to ear him tellin' the tale,' Bindle remarked one evening, as we sat in Dick Little's flat. Dick had just finished an extravagant and highly coloured account of an Oxford rag. "'Fancy young gentlemen behaving like that,' Bindle continued, "'instead o' learning to be parsons. Perhaps that's why they look such gentle jims when they gets into a stiff collar.' And Bindle buried a wink in his tankard. A number of us had formed the habit of drifting into Dick Little's flat in Chelsea on Sunday evenings for a smoke, a drink, and a yarn. That was in Dick's bachelor days, and when he was working night and day at Tim's, St. Timothy's Hospital. There would be Jocelyn Dare, the writer and inveterate hater of publishers, Jack Carruthers, who tolerated everybody except Mr. Lloyd George, sometimes Tom Little, Dick's brother, and about a dozen others, including a lot of men from Tim's. One Sunday evening in May, when the air was heavily scented with blackthorn and laburnum, Bindle and I arrived on Dick Little's doorstep within two seconds of each other. "'Hello, J.B.' I hailed, as he was closing the outer door of the mansions. We always call him J.B., following Dick Little's lead. "'Cheerio, sir,' he responded, holding the door open for me to pass, and giving vent to an elaborate sigh of relief, added, "'I'm glad to get in, that I am. I never feel safe till I gets here. Lord, how them young women do make eyes at me! I suppose it's the spring.' It ain't safe for me to be out. It really ain't, sir. We were the first arrivals, and it was during the next ten minutes that Bindle made his proposal. Why shouldn't we have a little club, sir? What does nothing but tell the tale? he asked. That was the inception of the whole idea. Dick grasped hold of it eagerly. He is a doctor, and doing his best to kill himself with hospital work, and I think he saw in Bindle's suggestion a welcome change after a strenuous week's work. We discussed the matter during the next ten minutes, and when the other fellows arrived they were told of the new order of things, and, with one voice, acclaimed Bindle a genius. It must be confessed that the men from Tim's are unrivalled in their capacity for acclamation. They revel in the robustious. It frequently involves Dick Little in difficulties with his neighbours, especially with a choleric old general who lives in the flat beneath. Oh, I always wanted a night-club, explained Bindle, when he had disentangled his limbs from the eager hands that had hoisted him shoulder-high. It'd sort of cheer up Mrs. B, up to know her old man was going to ill quicker than what she fought. After that it was always the night-club. We seemed to adopt the name as a matter of course. We arranged to meet on Sunday evenings at nine o'clock. 
Each member of the club was liable to be called upon to tell a story, after being given a reasonable notice. "'Didn't we ought to have rules, sir?' inquired Bindle of Dick Little. "'Once you start making rules you're undone,' broke in Tom Little, "'for you have to frame other rules to modify those already made. At Oxford—' "'Is it to be a cock and hen club?' interrupted Carruthers. "'A cock and what club, sir?' inquired Bindle, pausing in the act of lighting his pipe. "'A cock and what club?' "'Are ladies to be—' Carruthers got no further. Bindle deliberately replaced the match in the box, which with his pipe he returned to his jacket-pocket. Then with great solemnity and deliberation he rose and walked towards the door. "'Hello, J.B.' cried Dick Little. "'What's up?' "'If you're going to have ends, sir, this ere cock's off. See?' "'Come back, you silly ass!' laughed Tom Little. Bindle paused irresolutely and looked from face to face. "'Is it ends or no ends, sir?' he inquired of Dick Little. "'Why, no ends, of course!' shouted Jim Coleman, one of Tim's men, giving Bindle a thump between the shoulders that would have made most men wince. "'Right-o, gentlemen, then this ere cock withdraws his resignation, and all serene again.' And Bindle returned to his seat and the occupation of kindling his pipe. Thus it was that women were barred from the night-club. The first meeting, however, ended in a fiasco. A fellow named Roger Blint had been called upon to tell a yarn, which proved him to be utterly devoid of narrative skill. It was something about a man who was jilted by a girl and, in consequence, went to the war, returning a few months later, with his breast a rainbow of ribbons and his pockets jingling with medals, crosses and stars. We were all much depressed. After the others had gone, Bindle, Dick Little, and I conferred together, and it was decided by a majority of two to one that I was first to hear the stories, write them out, and read them to the club. I protested that I was too busy, but Bindle had finally overruled my expostulations. "'No, one ain't never too busy to do a little more,' he said. "'I once had a special kind of performin' fleas, what was the busiest things I ever seen, yet they wasn't too busy to give me a nip or two now and then. You got to do it, sir, and I felt I had. We developed into a curiously motley crowd. One night Bindle brought Ginger along, and Ginger had remarked, I don't old with them sort of clubs. He refused all other invitations. We had among us a retired policeman, a man who kept a coffee stall, Angel Herald, the famous publicity agent, the Honourable Anthony Charles Windover, now Lord Windover, and many others. Had we accepted all the nominations, we should have been an uncomfortably mixed crowd. Dick Little was particularly anxious to introduce a Polish barber, whose name was Schmidt, on the strength of his having exhibited in his shop window the following notice. I am an alleged Russian subject. But we had blackballed the worthy Schmidt. "'Because a cove says a funny thing,' remarked Bindle, "'doesn't always mean he's funny. Sometimes he can't help it, poor old chap.' As a result of the story about Sally, Jack Carruthers' sister, she became the only woman ever admitted to the night club. There was not a man in the assembly but was desperately in love with her from the moment he heard the tale. 
Never was a queen more deferred to and fussed over than Sally. To Bindle she was the sport of sports. She ain't always flappin' her petticoats, he said admiringly. You wouldn't know you ad a bit of skirt air, except when you looks at her face. Bindle was Sally's cavalier. If the atmosphere seemed to get too thick with smoke, it was he who threw up the window, or propped open the door until it cleared. When Jack Carruthers was not present, it was always Bindle who put Sally into her taxi. It was an understood thing. One night the boy, quite unthinkingly, endeavoured to usurp Bindle's prerogative. Bindle had looked him up and down for a moment and remarked cheerily, "'All right, Mr. Indenberg, you just wait till I've finished, then I'll come and take you home.' Bindle is a journeyman Pantichnikum man, with an unquenchable thirst for fun. He is small, bald-headed, red-nosed, cheery. To him life is one long-drawn-out joke. He is blessed with a wife and brother-in-law, Alfred Hardy, the Fulham greengrocer, whose godliness is overpowering. Bindle is a cockney by birth and in feeling. He loves mischief for its own sake, but underneath there is always gentleness and consideration for the unfortunate, and a kindly philosophy without which laughter is an insult to life. Of the other members of the night club, little need be said. Most of them are doing war work in some shape or form. Windover is a captain on the staff, Carruthers is in the R.N.R., Dare is in munitions, his heart plucked him for the army, and the rest are doing their bit to the best of their ability. To one and all, Sunday is a relaxation from a strenuous week of work, and the presiding spirit of our assemblies is our unanimously elected chairman, Joseph Bindle. Although Bindle is a laughing philosopher, he has several streaks of granite in his composition, among them independence. One of the first questions raised was that of drinks. Dick Little, whose generosity is embarrassing, had said that was his affair. "'Very well, sir,' was Bindle's comment. "'Then you breaks up the night club.' Enquiry elicited from Bindle the announcement that unless we all paid our share, he wasn't taking anything. From that time it became an understood thing that each member became responsible for one evening's refreshments. We had fought Bindle as long as possible, but he was adamant. It was quite by chance we discovered later that when his turn came to pay, he had worked overtime for a whole week so that Mrs. Bindle should not go short on account of his pleasures. Bindle had suggested that when the time came, a selection of the stories might be printed. It was explained to him that short stories do not sell. The British public does not like and will not read them. Bindle had pondered over this for a while, and, finally, had said with decision, "'Then we'll make em read ours. Me and Mrs. B, though neither of us, seem to fancy cold mutton. And when there's a bit over, you should just see what she can do with it. She can turn it into anything from stewed rabbit to mince pies.' Then, turning to me, he continued, "'You done me proud in that other little imbook of yours, sir.' although Erdy and Mrs. B. don't seem quite to have recovered from the shock of being famous, and now you can tell all about our nightclub. "'You just tell about Miss Sally, sir. Ah, young Indenberg, the cherub, Bindle's name for Angel Herald, and Mr. Gord Blast, 
Jocelyn Dare, why them alone would make any book famous. Then you might add just a sort of int, you know, sir, that I'd be in it, and then what o Bindle did a few fancy steps towards his tankard and took a good pull. With Miss Sally, young Indenburg, and me, sir, you got the real thing. That settled the matter, and here is the book, short stories disguised as a book of consecutive interest, just as Mrs. Bindle's cold mutton masquerades as stewed rabbit, or mince pies. It's a fraud, a palpable fraud, but as Bindle says, we all keep a poppin' up like U-boats that people'll sort of get fond of us. Many will say I should have been firmer, but the man who can withstand Bindle when he is set upon having his own way is being a finer moral fibre than I. The hour, when it came, for deciding which stories should be included and which omitted, would, I thought, be the last of the night club. Nobody agreed upon anything. Sally refused to allow the story to be told of how she did what the whole power of Germany has failed to do, tricked the British Navy. At the mere suggestion of printing even a covert reference to himself, the boy became almost hysterical. Angel Herald, on the other hand, felt that all his yarns should go in, and said so, intimating also that he had several others. Furthermore, he hinted that he might get us some advertisements to go at the end of the volume, provided it satisfied him. Finally, it was agreed that Dare and I should decide what stories were to be included, and from our verdict there was to be no appeal. Bindle's last words on the subject were, You just put me and Miss Sally on the cover, and you'll see. End of chapter 1